Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, May 3rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, some Mississippi communities are waking to down trees and damage after a number of tornadoes popped up yesterday evening. We get a preliminary report from MEMA. A leader from a civil rights organization responds to the governor's comments on systemic racism. Plus, Mississippi's colleges and universities prepare for in-person commencement ceremonies. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi residents are once again joining the rising sun of the early morning hours to assess damage as multiple tornadoes are suspected to have passed through the state yesterday. Meteorologists declared a tornado emergency for Tupelo and surrounding areas. The mayor said in a statement that damage had been reported and emergency crews were assessing. News outlets also reported tornadoes near Yazoo City, Byram, and Chula. Several people posted images of funnel clouds on social media. Kelly Richardson is the public information officer for the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. She shares the preliminary report with our Michael Guidry. As of very preliminary numbers, we haven't had a ton of official damage reports sent into MEMA. The only counties that have officially sent in those preliminary damage reports are Hines, Yazoo, and Itawamba. But as damage assessments really get underway today. That's when we're expecting these numbers to go up. But we've already heard, um, not officially, but a lot of damage to homes across the state. Um, We have heard that the National Weather Service in Jackson is sending out three survey teams today to um, assess the damage and determine the strength of these um, storms and tornadoes that move through multiple areas across the state. And uh, where would those three teams be uh, be headed to assess? We we know um, just kind of following reports last night and this morning of tornado being spotted and damage in Hines County in the Jackson area, and then of course mm-hmm. Tupelo. Uh, lots of reports of damage there. Where are these teams headed to assess? 
So they they did not specify, and we haven't heard that, but I can tell you for certain that they probably will go out to Hines County, as you mentioned, and also Yazoo County. That's the National Weather Service out of Jackson. When you move up to North Mississippi, National Weather Service in Memphis covers Lee County and Tupelo, and I do um, anticipate that they will also send a assessment team to that area today. When events like this happen, especially in the evening hours uh, and into the night, you know people wake up wanting information, you know, eager for information. But I know it's it's often takes time to gather and aggregate uh, all the information you need to to be able to make an informed statement about what happened. So, the, what what steps are taken to to kind of assess an event like last night? So the National Weather Service teams, they will be conducting somewhat of their separate assessments of the storm damage and the strength of the possible tornado. And then you'll have the local county officials, EMA officials, that will be on the ground in their communities assessing what they see damage-wise and what they hear from their citizens reporting into their county EMA offices. And then that is then relayed to the state here at MEMA. So there is a bit of a process, and that's why it does take time to get all of the numbers. And because there were a lot of areas across the state with this event that were impacted. So we please just ask everyone to be patient. If resources are needed, we do ask you to contact your local county emergency management officials. Um, Those numbers can be found on our website, and they can get you the resources that you need. If they need assistance in getting more resources, then that's when MEMA steps in, and we are more than ready um, to assist in any way that the local Locals may need. You mentioned that there are areas throughout the state that were affected last night, but a lot of people went into yesterday afternoon looking at the forecast and thinking, okay, scattered thunderstorms, you know, that didn't seem like much of a threat, then all this popped up. Uh, what does an event like this, where there's not this two day advance severe weather warning like we had last month, uh, what does it say about just weather preparedness? Uh, in Mississippi during severe weather season? Biggest thing I can say, never let your guard down. I know that a month ago or so, we did have those back-to-back events that were level fives, and the forecast was somewhat of a bust. You know, everything shifted east into Alabama. And then with this, yesterday it was a level two, and everyone, like you said, was just expecting a few scattered, strong storms here and there. And then it turned into a pretty substantial event for the state. So the biggest advice I can give and what we really try to emphasize is on no matter the risk level, whether it's a level two or a level five, stay alert. Do not let your guard down and take every event equally seriously. Kelly Richardson, Public Information Officer for the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Thank you so much for taking some time with us this morning and good luck today. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate it. Coming up, a leader from a civil rights organization responds to the governor's comments on systemic racism. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Governor Tate Reeves is receiving criticism for recent comments made on a Fox News program. Last week, during a town hall with other Republican governors, Reeves said systemic racism does not exist in the United States. The statement came just one night after President Joe Biden urged Congress to address the ongoing and often deadly problem during a joint session. During his time as governor, Reeves has demonstrated a pattern of downplaying the roots and lasting legacy of racist practices and policies. He has twice signed proclamations recognizing Confederate Heritage Month. During November's election, he remained silent on two major ballot initiatives resolving parts of Mississippi's racist past, the state flag and the Jim Crow era provisions for election of statewide offices. He has also recently promoted patriotic education based on American. American exceptionalism, requesting a specific fund for a patriotic education program in his budget proposal. Alicia Netterville is the deputy director of the Mississippi ACLU. In a conversation with our Michael Guidry, she discusses President Biden's call to address systemic racism, Governor Reeves' denial, and the steps toward reconciliation. The president said what should be obvious to Anyone who has lived in America for any length of time, um, it's clear for anyone who is conscious of the racial history of this country and the racial present of this presence of this country that this country is deeply rooted in racism and has some serious problems with systemic racism. The only thing that I did not agree with with the president's comment is that it is now time, because it has been time, to address the racism that runs rampant in the United States of America. The night after, Thursday night, uh, Fox News hosted uh, a roundtable of sorts uh, with uh, host Laura Ingram and five Republican governors, one of whom was Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves. And uh, the, the president's comments on systemic racism came up. And um, I'd like to play the governor's response for you. Your reaction to what he claimed about the systemic racism? There is not systemic racism in America. We live in the greatest country in the history of mankind. Uh, Alicia, this is uh, the governor of the state of Mississippi, a governor who um, in April uh, signed a proclamation declaring Confederate Heritage Month. What do you think about the governor going on national television and and saying that systemic racism does not exist in America? Um, the governor of Mississippi is either out of touch with reality or, overt, or, or overtly racist or in denial. It is clear that in this country, the 13th Amendment that was supposed to eradicate the institution of slavery still makes slavery constitutional for the punishment of a crime. And from that, we see that rooted in our criminal legal system, our health care system, our education system, our housing system, or just about any system that you can think of in America and in Mississippi. So until we address the fact that the way that this country was started through a system of chattel slavery, that slavery or involuntary servitude is still permissible, accepted, and constitutional in this country, it is only denial that will make one say that this country is not plagued with systemic racism. How are those deep seeds of, of slavery and uh, racial inequality 
manifested uh, in today's systems. You mentioned criminal justice system. You mentioned um, lack of lack of health care. Uh, what tangible manifestation of that uh, exists that groups like the ACLU point to and say this is evidence of systemic racism that need to be addressed? There was a, a House bill, 747, that was moving swiftly through the legislature to uh, to revive Mississippi's 1800s convict leasing law, where free people were tar- racially profiled and targeted and arrested for menial crimes like walking in the wrong direction along a railroad track or uh, or you owe debt to the to the general store, and what we saw in 747 was to uh, force incarcerated persons to turn over any wages that they made that they that they earned when they were leased out to private to the private industry for work, and that was in our legislative session in 2021, and that's just a remnant of slavery. So we can we see it over and over and over again um, being perpetuated, and and it's nothing but modern-day slavery. So unless our governor and our leaders are willing to acknowledge that systemic racism exists, we will never be able to adequately address it. Because when you feed the public what they want to hear, then that's what they believe, and that's what they act on. We hear the president's call to, to address this issue, uh, and that's on a more macro level. But when it comes, when it boils down to it, you know, there are there are things that need to be addressed uh, on the micro level. That is at the state level, even deeper in the communities. How does Mississippi, as a state, how do communities within Mississippi uh, go about uh, addressing these issues? What are the steps forward? The st- the the first step is to be honest. I have never met someone who was diagnosed with cancer and refused to acknowledge it and didn't get treatment and the cancer did not kill them. So we have a cancer that we have to be honest about. And the governor's words, the governor's dishonest words about the state of America and the state of Mississippi as it relates to racism only exacerbates the problem. We are, with the unfortunate death of a murder of George Floyd, a lot of people came around and admitted the truth. And, I, and, and for, for the governor to have his heels dug in to refuse to admit the truth must mean that he's willing to accept things that the way they are. And, and the way that things are, are, we are, we are, we are trapped in a system of racism. And that's just a fact. It would seem that in order to address a problem, like you said, you first have to admit there's a problem. There seems to be a group of politicians in the United States at this moment that are steadfast in arguing that systemic racism is not a problem in America. Uh, You disagree, but can you understand or is there is there any way to understand why why these politicians are, are making this stand right now while the country is dealing with with so many examples of injustice at the moment 
there could be a, a, there could be numerous reasons. Um, number the the first reason is let's be clear that slavery was about profits. Slavery was about profit and power. And so, if we have a new age slavery that we do have in this country, people are going to have to give up profits and power. So that may be one reason. Uh, another reason may be pure politics. I mean, we we, we saw that um, some people supported outrageous comments by by our former president just because they were Republicans. So it could just be partisan play. And the the last reason may be that if you have never experienced racism, maybe you are in denial about the how how, how deep this thing runs in our country. Well, Alicia Netterville, Deputy Director and Policy Counsel for the Mississippi ACLU. Thank you for for your time, your insight, your perspective. You're very welcome. Coming up, Mississippi's colleges and universities prepare for in-person commencement ceremonies. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Graduation ceremonies are returning to Mississippi's college campuses this spring. Last year, commencement celebrations were canceled as the coronavirus pandemic spread throughout the country. Now, with some safety provisions, graduates and their families will be experiencing something closer to tradition. Elisa Mosley, Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs at Jackson State University, tells our Kobe Vance preparations have been in the works for months. We've done a lot of planning. Most, much of our work had been virtual, and we were trying to come up with ways to mark the moment virtually, and I think we did fine with that. But we really wanted to find the students and families were really looking to us to develop a way to have a face-to-face ceremony. And so that's what we've attempted to do. They will all be, the graduate ceremony will be on campus, but the undergraduate ceremony as well as the class of 2020 will take place in the stadium. And do you all have any opportunities for students who may have graduated last year uh, during the pandemic but weren't able to go to those ceremonies? Absolutely, absolutely. So we've been reaching out and hearing from them um, even if they, you know, had a some of some people had virtual parties, so even if they did that, but they just wanted that moment to walk across the stage. We are providing them the opportunity to come, and so you know we know that the two most important moments that students have oftentimes as undergraduates are when they first come to the university and when they leave the university in the form of graduation. So it was really important for us to have that have that opportunity for those 2020 graduates. And so for the ceremonies, uh, what is it going to look like for students? Are they going to be social distance? Can they bring their families? Yes. So every student has the opportunity to uh, 
use uh, their set of tickets to invite their families. And so we'll have a, a real live audience to celebrate the experience, but the students will be distanced on the floor. And we've uh, taken great care to make sure that we're just trying to be as safe as possible with the COVID-19 safety protocols. Now, for the outdoor uh, ceremony specifically, will people have to wear masks during that, or can they take those off during the ceremony? We are encouraging people to keep their mask on the entire time. Um, we know that, you know, the CDC constantly changes and, and opens it up a little bit more, but our current plans, the way we we tried to depict it to our guests and our candidates is that they wear the mask the entire time. But we know you know, um, that may change as we get closer to the day. Um, I wanted to ask, how are students doing right now? Are are they looking forward to the ceremonies? Yes. So I uh, tend to, you know, get on Twitter and Instagram, and I am so excited about the different pictures that students are uploading with their trapping gowns and um, parents are excitedly calling, students are, you know, sharing that they've invited their, their folks to celebrate some. We've even had international students who may have, uh, who may have graduated in 20. And so they're in their respective countries, but they said, well, you know, how can I make sure that my name gets called? And we're using a software where we're actually, students can actually submit slides of encouragement and thank yous in addition to walking across the stage. So for those international candidates, we're providing them the opportunity to, you know, of course they'll be celebrating virtually, but also to have a slide that says thank you to all their loved ones and supporters. And so they will, that's like a little nice touch that we can add so that they don't feel so disconnected from us. Alyssa Mosley is provost and senior vice president of academic affairs at Jackson State University. Um, Alyssa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. At the University of Southern Mississippi, students will be graduating in multiple ceremonies throughout the week. Dee Dee Anderson says their events will be held inside, but with safety measures taken. We are limiting the number of tickets per student. And then we're grouping students together with their families and spreading people out in, in the Coliseum um, and having more graduations. So we we're at we added to our schedule so that we can capture the students that missed graduation during the pandemic and at the same time be able to stay within our COVID guidelines. And uh, what when is graduation going to be? We have one every night through Saturday, May the 8th, and two on Friday. And so when it comes to um, people attending, will people be able to just, um, they have to get tickets? Do they have a limited amount of family who can come? They, they do. Um, they had to register ahead of time, so we would know that they were coming. And then they students will receive a, a barcode scanner type thing on their, um, in the email, and so they'll scan those at the door. And yeah. we did limit the number of stu- uh, guests per student. Do y'all have students that didn't get to walk um, last year that are going to take the opportunity now? Yes, absolutely. We've had a lot of students sign up that missed their graduation in the past because, you know, graduation is a fun time. It's a celebration of all the hard work that you do on a university campus. And so um, students want to participate in that. And we're super excited to give them the opportunity. And it's 
one step closer to us to resuming and being back in normal, like uh, and we, as we plan to be for fall. And so we're really excited about this opportunity for students. Have the vaccines that have come out and the changes in recommendations from the CDC, as well as lower uh, restrictions on uh, gatherings in Mississippi, have this helped work back towards at least a a resemblance of normal when it comes to these uh, graduation ceremonies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the numbers are going down in Mississippi and our numbers on campus have have been really low, almost non-existent. Um, We have the vaccine available to our faculty and staff, and we're encouraging everyone to to get vaccinated. So all of those things are a path forward for us and a path to our fully engaged fall semester. So those are the things that allowed us to have graduation in person. And uh, I'm curious, what, stu- what are students saying about the graduation? Are they are they excited? Are they um, concerned? You know, o- overwhelmingly excited. I mean, everyone is happy to be back and have our first really big event on campus. People, you, if you come visit us during the day you will see students all over campus with their caps and gowns on taking pictures Um, they're happy they're happy to be back um, in person they're happy to celebrate all of their accomplishments Um, and we're happy that we're able to do that for them this year and now are y'all taking any measures to try to encourage students to not have parties or other events like that that could that couldn't lead to the spread of the coronavirus because it still is and uh, here in mississippi and so we we are we continue to encourage all of our students and our faculty and staff to follow the CDC guidelines and take the necessary precautions. Um, we want people to stay healthy, um, and and so part of that is 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 being aware of some of those things that you mentioned. And so we encourage people to be safe in their planning and the, in their celebrating. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.